0: Hi, welcome to your Hollywood crime scene mini-episode. mini sewed. mini <laughs>
1: uh, Hi, this is Desi. This is Rachel. Um, so this week we're going to do our mini on child actress Judith Barcy. <clears throat> Judith was an actress in the mid to late 80s, and she's probably best known for her role as the voice of Ducky in The Land Before Time. Yep, yep, yep. And... that's <laughs> voice <her> uh, catchphrase. <laughs> Anne-Marie in All Dogs Go to Heaven. Um, I mean, she did a ton of other stuff, but we'll get to that. So the backstory on her is her parents, Joseph Barsi and Maria Virovac, they're Hungarian. I'm sure I'm saying those really fucked up. Uh, They both fled from Hungary after the 1956 Soviet occupation. Um, Joseph had a really rough childhood, and he often described his childhood as saying that he had no mother or no father. And that's something that actually kind of carried a much bigger stigma in Hungary, where family families typically stayed together and were very close. So he kind of always had something up with his childhood and being sort of devastated by that, yeah, um, his home life was also really violent. In fact, his mother would also often claim that Joseph was a bastard to stick it to the dad, but as a child, <laughs> like she used that to make the dad mad. But then he's hearing. Uh, His mom called him a bastard all the time. So that's not good. Um, Josef and Maria met in Los Angeles. She was waitressing at a restaurant that was sort of a popular hangout for Hungarian immigrants at the time. Um, he was like a a big spender and I guess he was a contractor plumber and I think they can make pretty good money. Plumbers make good
0: money, I think. So
1: he had a lot of money and he was kind of a big spender and he'd sit at the bar with like hundred dollar bills and he was sort of a brooding, you know, I guess I want to say bad boy type, (laughs) type thing. And she, uh, kind of became attracted to him. His nickname at the time was Arizona Joe. What? And he was called that because he lived in Arizona once. So a very uncreative <laughs> nickname that's in my like, opinion. That's
0: like a meme, lives in Arizona once. Oh well, yeah, lives in Arizona once.
1: Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, so I think that she kind of saw him as maybe a secure husband. Like he had a good job and could provide a life for her. Who's good at fucking because he's a bad boy. Maybe. I don't know. It wasn't in my research. <laughs> um, so the early years of their marriage were very happy. And Joe was even described by some as charming. As if that's always a good thing, right? (laughs) They always are, Desi. Uh, So soon after they were married, on June sixth, 1978, Judith was born. Um, At some point after Judith was born and as the marriage went along, Joe started drinking a lot. And um, as his drinking escalated, so did his temper. Uh, He was particularly sensitive about people making fun of his thick Hungarian accent. Like he had a lot of rage... About being different, I think, or not fitting into America. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, a fellow plumber uh, and friend of his, who kind of comes into play a few times throughout this, is named Peter Kivlin. He he would say, like, when people would make fun of him, that Joe would also often grab a two by four and threaten people. And Kivlin said that it's not that it, he didn't go after anybody who didn't deserve it. Okay, like, <laughs> like that makes it yeah. better. Yeah. Uh, he also said. Um, that Joseph made a lot of claims about his tough guy, tough guy claims that he had lost vision in a, in one eye after a bar fight and that he'd even gone to prison for killing a man in a bar brawl, but there's no evidence of any of that happening actually. So it was probably just like sort of puffed up tough guy talk. Right. Um, he was eventually like the only criminal record he had was three drunk driving arrests, which happened, uh, throughout after Judith was born, like, so, in the 80s. Um, after Judith was born, Maria almost instantly started grooming her for a career as a Hollywood starlet or, like, a child star, mm-hmm. which is, like, literally my dream that my mom never did. Okay? Okay. Um <laughs> care of to, you know, people obviously were all saying that the the odds were against her, and nothing would ever happen. It was a waste of time. But she really persevered and gave Judith like diction lessons, like all this kind of old school Hollywood stuff, like diction and grace and poise and like right. this kind of shit. Uh, she, Judith was a skater, which I feel like Why now is the all third. Fucking ice <laughs> I feel like this is the third person we've done that used to have like a little bit of a skating background. Oh yeah, because it was Dano Plato, and then obviously Tonya Harding. I feel like it's a very '80s thing, right? Um, and it was at the ice skating rink that Judith was discovered by a commercial, I think it was either a casting director or someone who was working in the commercial field who spotted her and she was about five years old at this time. So this is like an interesting fact. Her first role was actually in the TV movie called Fatal Vision, which is about the Jeffrey McDonald case. I don't know if you know that I case. I don't know, Rachel, that but case. I probably will be doing a show on it at one point. Um uh, she played the three-year-old daughter of Jeffrey McDonald. Her name was Kimberly. And since you don't know, I'll just say that this movie is about a father who kills his wife and children. Foreshadowing. Wow. Isn't that crazy? That's That's, her, that's like one of her first roles. That's crazy. Um, she went on to appear in more than 70 commercials and was like pretty much on every television show and that aired in adorable. the And she was adorable. Yeah, she's cute. She's cute in like that kind of... Normal cute, like mm-hmm. she wasn't overly child actor looking, like right. you know what I mean. Yeah, uh, here's another thing that's sort of come into play in, um, I think the different strokes episode. Uh-uh. Um, according to her agent, she looked much younger than what she was, and she was also going undergoing um treatments at UCLA to spur her growth. She had something that was keeping her smaller, looking, young. looking really young, so she was able to play like much younger than she was, which is like. What you want in a child star right. because it 's like they 're smarter than they, they they look younger but they have the smarts of an older child, so it 's like the perfect combination perfect right um, by the time she started fourth grade, Judith was already earning about a hundred grand a year damn, yeah, so in nineteen eighty seven um, her agent um, Ruth Hansen, described her as a bubbly happy girl. Um, But that all changed when she was cast on the film Jaws the Revenge. Did you see that movie? (laughs) No, I did not. Um, This is where one of the first reported instances of emotional abuse or threats by her father was sort of recorded. So what happened when she was preparing to leave Los Angeles to go film in the Bahamas, um, her father actually pulled a knife on her when she was saying goodbye to him and said to her, if you decide not to come back, I will cut your throat. Jesus. This is according to a relative. Her father was really upset that his daughter was leaving. I think this is where he started kind of feeling like his family was he was losing control over his family and his daughter's earning a lot of money and he's losing this power maybe he had over his wife and his child mm-hmm. that he was the breadwinner and da 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 right. Um after she filmed, she actually went back to visit her mom's brother in Flushing, New York. Um, the father actually refused to visit her in the Bahamas and in New York. So he kind of threatened her with this, but he didn't make any effort to go see her on the set. And he, and obviously he was perfectly welcome to, well, I don't want to go yeah. if I'm not invited. Yeah. And then on the phone in, in New York, it was reported that her father said to her, remember what I told you before you left? And that was referring to the knife incident. Like, so she better come back from New York, right? As if it's in her control, right? So
0: she's like nine years old at this uh, about point. About nine
1: years old. Yeah. So, Judith was like obviously very terrified, and when she finally came back to their home, which was I think somewhere in the valley, I'm not sure exactly what location um she actually this is at the point where she started pulling out her own eyelashes and her cat's whiskers, like oh. she was just so distressed and that's frantic a trick, to yeah, so she just started pulling out um these things that's a coping mechanism, yeah. so obviously, seeing this girl go from happy bubbly to this distressed, you know, freaked out child. Right. People noticed this. Um, someone said that during this period, I think it was the guy, the plumber that I mentioned earlier, he said that over, that Joseph had said to him over 500 times he was going to kill his wife. Wow. When he, he would try to calm him down. Um, and he would, he would say to his, his friend, Peter Kivlin, um, that he was going to kill him kill his wife, and then his friend said, if you kill her, what will happen to your little one? Which was the um, nickname he had for his daughter. He would call her little one. And he said, I have to kill her too. And so the friend <laughs> did nothing with this information. Fabulous. Um, but he would kind of alternate between various threats. Sometimes he would say he would kill Maria. Sometimes he would say he would kill himself and Ju- Judith and then leave Maria alive to suffer. Um, so he had kind of variations on how he was going to Fuck up his wife. I mean, and this no is all one, related to his wife, right? Right. Another person told a story about this particular time, which is after the Jaws Revenge um, movie filming, that Maria at some point bought Judith a special kite, and her father uh, took it from her. Judith was crying hysterically, saying that he's going to break it because he was drunk and being very rough with it. Um, and then at some point, Joseph said, look at her to the neighbor. She's just a spoiled brat. Or t- He said this... To M- Maria, this is according to the neighbor, sorry. Mm-hmm. She's just a spoiled brat and doesn't share her new toy. And then he broke it into pieces, as many as he could, in front of Mar- uh, in front of Judith as she cried. Wow. This is like something my dad would have done, by the way. <laughs> um, so uh, most of the abuse, though, at that point was verbal abu- abuse. Maria actually did file a police report against Joseph in December of 1986, and she... You know, documented all of these um, instances of him threatening her over the last five years, threatening to kill her, choking her, hitting her in the face—all of this kind of stuff. Choking because, Maria. Yeah, choking her and choking. He didn't do any of it, though. Right. These are just threats. So the police were unable to do anything about it because there was no documentation, polaroids of injuries. It was all verbal abuse and verbal threats.
0: To me, that's the big one of the biggest injustices in terms of domestic abuse is when police can't right. do anything with stalkers or with
1: right until they do something until they actually hurt yeah. the person physically it's ridiculous so after the incident with the police and the, her trying to file the police report joseph started um he, he he stopped drinking um but he continued threatening maria and judith um at this point he was saying things like he was going to cut their throat he was going to burn the house down um, he even would do sort of like gaslighty, abusive things sort of uh, Maria he hit a telegram from Maria that, that informed her of a relative dying in Hungary because he didn't want her to leave America with the child um, and then physical violence started happening uh, he there was an incident reported where he threw a pot in, uh, a pot or a pan at Judith which gave her a nosebleed so it was kind of stuff like that like mm-hmm. um, and then at this point, they said that once this physical abuse started, Judah started gaining weight a bit. So the child started sort She's of... She's putting on defensive yeah, weight. defensive weight, right. Um, Part of the anger that was coming out of this was because Joseph had given up drinking, he felt like Maria should have been groveling at his feet, thankful that he had done this for her, right? Uh, and she was still bitter because the threats <laughs> and the verbal abuse were stopping. Yeah, she should yeah. have been. Uh, So according to Maria's brother, he was mad Maria wouldn't make up and he was moping around the house. He would complain about her housekeeping and he would even bring people over to the house to show them how horrible she was at cleaning. Like there's the mounds of laundry she hasn't done. Here's the sink full of dishes. So he like was actively trying to humiliate her um, as a person too. Um, His friend Kivlin said that he actually started to have some affairs Uh, And he would buy them expensive gifts. The women he was having affairs with. Right, right. So he started cheating.
0: Beauty should be good for you. And that's why we're excited to tell you about Beauty Counter. Beauty Counter is a clean makeup and skincare brand that started in 2013, disrupting the beauty industry by shedding a light on the need for stronger ingredient regulations in the personal care products that we use daily.
1: Today, Beauty Counter is the leading clean beauty brand creating innovative and high-performing products that are safer and cleaner than even their like-minded competitors. So what do we mean by clean?
0: Over 1,800 questionable ingredients are never used in Beauty Counter's formulations. They call this their never list. You can learn more at beautycounter.com, where you're also going to want to check out their incredible products.
1: Best of all, if you're a new customer and you order through March 15th, you'll get free shipping on your order of $100 or more when you use the code HOLLYWOOD. Once again, to get free shipping on your order of $100 or more, go to beautycounter.com and use the code HOLLYWOOD. As most of us have found out the hard way, getting into debt is
0: easy. Getting out of it is hard, especially if your credit score isn't great. Thankfully, now there's upstart.com, the revolutionary lending platform that knows you're more than just your credit score and offers smarter interest rates to help you pay off high interest credit card debt. I know firsthand that there's nothing more frustrating than trying to pay something down and your payments are pretty much just paying off the interest. Upstart goes beyond the traditional credit score when assessing your credit worthiness. Upstart believes you're more than just your credit score. They believe in you. The best part? Once the loan is approved and accepted, most people get their funds the very next business day. Over 400,000 people have used Upstart to pay off credit cards or meet their financial goals. So free yourself from the burden of high-interest credit card debt by consolidating everything into one monthly payment with Upstart. See why Upstart is top-ranked in their category with a 4.9 out of 5 rating on Trustpilot and hurry to upstart.com slash Hollywood to find out how low your Upstart rate is. Checking your rate only takes a few minutes. That's upstart.com slash Hollywood.
1: Um, At this point, Judith also would sort of go over to family friends house a lot, which is something I remember doing a ton, like just going over. To be safe. Yeah. And I wouldn't really say anything, but people would always accept me. And it's like, I'm sure like looking back, they all knew something was happening. But in my mind, I was like, no one knows i'm just staying here for two weeks like what what else would you think as an adult right right um but they would uh give her food and like make her homemade hungarian cuisine or whatever uh and at that point one of them reported that judith said to them i'm afraid to go home my daddy is miserable my daddy is drunk every day i know he wants to kill my mother so apparently he did not stop drinking which makes sense to me right yeah He's probably the type who quit drinking, and then when she didn't fucking kiss his ass, he's like, fine, I'm going to drink again. Because Right. right?" Um, So people did really try to help Maria and Judith. This wasn't a case where everyone ignored them. That's good. In fact, um, a neighbor even offered refuge to Maria and Judith, but she turned them down.
0: Right. Which, as we know, we've talked about lots of times, is very common with uh, abuse victims.
1: So in May of um, 1998... Judith had an audition for All Dogs Go to Heaven, and it was a singing audition. So according to her agent, um, she broke down crying while Mm. she was doing this uh, audition. And her agent said, that's when I realized how bad Judith was. She was crying hysterically. She couldn't talk. Um, It was at that point the agent finally stepped in. She took Maria to a child psychologist, and it was so bad that the child psychologist actually reported her findings to Child Protective Services. Um, She had severe signs of physical and emotional abuse at this time. Um, So I'm sorry. So once Child Services were involved, and they, at the time, like some of the information I'm reading, it was at the time, around the time it happened, obviously they're not allowed to talk about these kind of cases at, you know because of client confidentiality mm-hmm. or whatever but
0: aren't they uh-huh. allowed to report them to the police if, it, if I they think believe so, a child but they,
1: yeah so at this point what happened was she's in child protective service maria has to go you know talk to these people yeah um and she convinced them that she had a plan of action that she felt safe going forward taking judith home and she had a plan to get out of the marriage uh and get away from their abuser um and, and, and there's like a conflict of like the story here. So according to child services, she's like, I got this, I'm going home. Dah, 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 dah. After the fact, according to the agent, Maria had said, they said they couldn't do anything. I'm going home cause I have to handle it myself. So it was a kind of like both two different stories yeah. about what had happened. So she did, she did kind of start going forward with a plan though, regardless of why. Right. <laughs> um, She got an apartment in Panorama City, uh, and she rented that shortly after the um, Child Protective Services meeting. And she kind of used it for like a refuge during the day. She didn't Mm. move Judith there, so she sort of when Judith during the day Maria would go there to get away from Joseph. Uh, I'm not sure what Judith was doing. Was she was at school maybe or Mm -hmm. what? And then she would return home every night. the agent Hanson seems like she's very involved in this. She was really urging her to kind of just make the final fucking break already. Mm-hmm. But, uh, she kept hesitating. She didn't want to leave cause she was, she didn't want to like lose her home and all of the things they had purchased with Judith's money basically. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like it was like, she'd have to, I think she didn't want to give up her home to Joseph. Like she wanted to stay there, but it yeah. was like your priority is getting the fuck out. Like, yeah. um, And according to uh, a friend, or it was actually a neighbor, she really loved her home and the things that Judith's career had brought her. She didn't want to leave those things. Okay. (sighs) So as for what finally sets the husband off, which we'll get to, people have speculated that he discovered his wife's plan to move out and found out about the apartment and that she had been planning for a divorce. And that he might've also been upset when he found out his daughter was seeing a psychologist. Yeah. So Judith was last seen riding her bike on the morning of July 25th, 1988. So this is two months after they went to the child psychiatrist and child protective services, which was in May. On Monday, July 25th, she missed um, an appointment at Hanna-Barbera Productions, and that's when the agent called Joseph Barcy, and he said a big car had come and taken the mother and daughter to San Diego. On Tuesday night, Barcy told the agent who had called again that he had decided to move out of the home for good, but planned to stick around long enough to say goodbye to his little girl when they got back from San Diego. All three bodies were found on Wednesday, July 27th, and Judith's body was found in her canopy bed near the pink television that her father had actually given to her to apologize for pulling her hair one time. Wow. So police believe that um, Maria and Judith were killed that Monday. Uh, They think Joseph shot Judith in the head in her canopy bed while she was sleeping and then he murdered Maria. He spent the next two days sort of just in the house with the bodies, with the bodies sort of just in a day is wandering around sort of figuring out what to do next. At some point he poured gasoline on the bodies and set them on fire. After he incinerated those, he went into the garage and he shot himself in the head <clears throat> on August 9th. 1988, Judith and Maria were buried at Forest Lawn Memorial Park, uh, which is a pretty big famous cemetery in Los Angeles. So after the fact, um, according to the brother-in-law, Joseph had the philosophy of if the family life is gone, then life is not worth living. Um, So with the disintegration of his marriage and everything sort of falling apart, he decided to basically end it all. People speculated that he killed judith i mean this is all very typical stuff like he killed judith because it's like if i can't have my nobody no one can which is i'm sure true in a psychotic way and then there was also like the people who took the the tact like he didn't want to leave judith alone in a world without her mother and father it's like yeah well there was like a third (laughs) third option here (laughs) like kill your fucking self how about that like right but that is like you said before that is
0: a very uh common sort of rationale with abusive parents right if there if there is a threat of the child leaving especially if their partner is going to take their child away right if I can't have them nobody can have oh them oh my god so, it happens
1: all the time right so yeah. they kill them right I mean it obviously it makes no sense to a logical mind right so uh, all all dogs go to heaven the thing that she had the breakdown crying and she did get that part um, and it was released in November of 1989. So she was still... Well, Don Bluth directed that. And he also directed The Land Before Time. Yeah. Um, so he he had described her as absolutely astonishing. She understood verbal direction, even for the most sophisticated situations, probably because she had a fucked up life. Right. Um, and the end credits of the um, movie, there's a song called Love Survives. And that was dedicated to her Oh, memory. my God. So I'm getting fucked yeah. up, honestly. I know. It's pretty sad. Um... Another sad thing about this case is, like, unlike a lot of other cases we normally hear about, everyone seemingly took the right steps in this yeah. thing. Like, she did go to child protective services. Right. She neighbors and family they members intervened. were involved in intervening, trying to get her out. Police were called. I mean, right. In fact, uh, after this murder happened, the child Proce- protective agency, for the first time in its four-year history. They commissioned a review to overview what had gone wrong in this case um, and kind of illustrated to the agency that they were better at dealing with physical abuse than they were at verbal and emotional abuse situations. Um, Which could escalate. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Well, there's like the control element. That's sort of the scary thing. Yeah. um, So according to a police detective, Sandra Palmer, who investigated the murders, she said, "How do you protect? How do we protect someone from threats? We really, honestly can't. I could say I'm going to kill you. I have the right because we have a free society to say that. I don't have the right to carry it out. So it's like you can. I mean, maybe things have changed slightly, but I feel like it's very similar to online. Like people can threaten to kill you all day, and Twitter won't even suspend, suspend them. them. Like I right. mean, it happens once in a while, but overall, it's like something that just gets done." A lot, I think. Um,
0: the last time I went to the police was years ago because I've been getting threats uh, online on Facebook in my instant messages on Facebook. and I printed out all of the messages that I received from this boy who I knew he was a boy um, who was I had to run in I ran into frequently because he was in the rooms of recovery. So I was legitimately scared right. of running into this guy. And I went to the police station and I showed them. I said, this guy has been threatening me and I'm terrorized." And they, you know, said we can't do anything about this until he actually does something. I'm like, oh, great. Well, I'll just come back when I have a fucking knife in my back.
1: Right. The other sad quote by one of the um, child protective people that I saw was, um, you know, they closed the case Because the mom was like, I'm going to take care of this. Or for some reason, the case was So they weren't going to follow up on it. Right. And uh, they said that was a huge mistake because our client is the child, not the mom. Right. You know, and uh, I feel like that is pretty sad because it's like... That is sad. In a situation, I mean, at least I know pretty well, my mom was not a reliable protector of us well
0: how like can she might call be? the police it's kind
1: of like now why people once you call the cops in a domestic situation they don't leave people are getting arrested yes because back in back in my day <laughs> my mom would say everything's fine just go and the cops would leave and it's like well you can't listen to the woman in the situation she's basically she's a, traumatized she's traumatized she has some kind of stockholm syndrome like she's not the person you need to listen to right You know what I mean? Like,
0: I mean, they're really like, like you said before, the tragedy, one of the tragedies of this case is that so many people did attempt to do the right thing and a lot of the right steps were taken. But I do feel like they, the ball was dropped in that instance in that they sort of left the mom to her own devices,
1: not taking into
0: account the full scope of this woman who is traumatized. And probably did think she was doing the right thing for her child, well,
1: you know what you just don't think it's going to go that far no I mean, you, you never really do. don't like you
0: don't think it yeah. is, but as we see time and time again with domestic abuse situations, the verbal when you know the verbal abuse often turns into physical abuse, the physical abuse often turns into death, right. That's so common. That's just, that's the way it is. And it's not going to get better. And like, it was smart of her. It was wise of her to get her own apartment. But there also is the fact that if the person finds out they're going to leave and preparing You can't to leave, drag it out.
1: It needs to you be You have to do it immediately. Insta- I mean, that's why they have battered woman shelters now. It's like, get out in the middle of the fucking night. You don't take any of your stuff with you. Yeah, you can't. You just get out. Like, you can't. I mean, I guess we just know more now, right? But yeah, we know. So more that's now. the sad story. It's very sad now. I feel like I can't watch those movies again without being sad.
0: I haven't watched them since the late '80s, early '90s, right. anyway. But uh, it's one of those stories where every every child of our age, of our era, you and me, like knows the land before time and all dogs go to heaven i mean all
1: dogs go to heaven was already fucking depressing
0: (laughs) right i I, I
1: wasn't even a big
0: fan of the movie because it was either yeah but whatever that is a really popular movie i mean like don bluth is like a total genius that he makes very light or he made very like darker. high art for kids.
1: They're always sort of darker. They're always darker and yeah. have more complexity. I like the Secret of NIM. Oh my that god, that was my been. favorite. Yeah, so yes, oh, yeah. So I see. I'll rewatch that. I mean, I like that movie. I'm not that I'm not like a fan of the other two movies. It's not like I'm gonna watch watch them again. But it sort of just already kind of makes them sadder because well, people still watch them.
0: It well, not a lot of people know that the voice of Ducky or the voice of Marie was murdered so there's always this moment in every adult of our age range finds out they're like wait ducky was murdered that it's just like the ultimate fucking right oh my god like, yeah, it's childhood freaking. ruined yeah. like you know it's a
1: childhood ruining moment for
0: it sure. is it's so tragic and like you said before it is scary that all the right steps were taken but yeah
1: okay well
0: all right well that's your mini sewed um uh, bye bye